Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. And uh, Judah is his name. Well, actually, just over a week ago, I acquired two more. Because my daughter had twins. Now, I want you to know, I'm, I'm just getting to know the twins, but my grandchild, Judah, Ann and I, and me, my, my wife, are just besotted with Judah. Uh, we kind of, we, J- Judah and I had a play date on, third, on Friday. And uh, I had to go over his house and play with the railway, wooden railway set that he got. But having Judah come into my life has caused me to reflect. And to reflect on the question, how is Judah in 21st century UK going to come to faith? And perhaps as importantly, having come to faith, how is that faith going to be sustained and maintained? Because we, we live in uncertain times, don't we? We live in, in, in times when actually there's a fair degree of insecurity in the nation in which, in which we, we live. Uh, we live. We live in a time when actually it's not always popular to, to have a faith and to have a Christian faith. We live at, at a time when actually at times some of the things that we hold dear, things that we think are important, are actually ridiculed within the kind of British media and the British press. So the question of how Judah is going to find faith, how Judah is going to sustain in his faith, is quite important. And some of the areas of uncertainty, I mean, I guess for the last couple of years, there's been one word that has dominated the media, hasn't it? What would that one word be? It begins with a V. Brexit. Brexit has increased our insecurity, our uncertainty. What is the future going to look for us. But it's not just issues of Brexit. There are numerous other areas of uncertainty, whether it's the issue of living in a city and gun and knife crime and youth violence, whether it's the issues of austerity and the impact that's had on services that we hold dear. And of course, internationally, areas of uncertainty are dramatic. The existential threat of climate change, the issues of insecurity in so many different parts of the world. But it becomes very personal as well, doesn't it? Because of course, uncertainty for some of us is around our relationships. Some of us, it's around our finances. Some of it's around issues of employment. You name it, we we live with uncertainty. And as I've reflected on on Judah's future, and I've reflected on the the, the place that we find ourselves today as a Christian community, it's actually forced me to kind of go back again to the book of Hebrews. 
You see, the book of Hebrews is, is, is written to a group of Christians that are, are living in times not dissimilar to our own times. And the writer is writing to these Christians in endeavouring to remind them of some of the foundations of their faith. He's endeavouring to strengthen them in their faith. He's endeavouring to, well, to actually help them to find a resilient faith at, at a time of uncertainty. Mm. You see, the book of Hebrews is, is written to a, a group of Christians that, well, they've been around pretty much from the early days. They, they'd heard the stories of Jesus from, from people who'd actually been with Jesus. They, they'd experienced the, the apostolic age, the signs and wonders and the excitement. They'd had miraculous things that had taken place. They'd seen spectacular growth. But things had changed. It wasn't quite like that anymore. And uh, here are Christians now that were facing pressure, were facing opposition. In fact, the book tells us that some of them had actually been put in prison for their faith. Some of them had lost social status. Some of them had lost property. And so the, the writer is writing to these people. Some of them had actually fallen away from the faith or were in danger of falling away from and so the writer is writing to them in the midst of hard times, uncertainty, insecurity, and he's wanting to develop them, encourage them in their faith. I kind of think this book is pretty important for us at a time like this here in the UK. So let's, um, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And. Uh, Let's begin. We're going to start reading from verse 19. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters. Let me just, just I'm not going to do this throughout the reading, but let me just do that at this moment. That word, therefore. I give this appreciation to Alex for this. Okay. Alex told me when I told him what we were going to read today, and I, I use that word, therefore. He, actually, would you mind just moving that stick? Because I'm, I'm, I'm one of these old, old preachers who had bits of paper, and I'm realising <laughs> they're getting distributed around the, behind me. Alex's comment to me was, Alex, just come in the door there. Alex, I'm just giving your gag now. Whenever you read the word therefore in the Bible, you have to discover why it's, what it's there for. Just some appreciation to Alex for that. Thank you, Alex. I've not have confessed, I don't think I've ever heard that before. But however, that word therefore is important because actually that word therefore actually refers to everything that's gone before this moment in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Let me tell you what's gone before. Nine and a half chapters with pretty much one theme. And the theme is just how amazing Jesus is. You see, the, the writer to the book of Hebrews is, is obsessed with Jesus. 
right from the very beginning, when you get chance, you go back, look at the beginning of Hebrews, the first three verses, it starts there and it just goes on and on and on about just how amazing Jesus is. Let me just give you some of the insights that the writer gives us. Jesus more powerful than any angel. Jesus greater than Moses. Jesus more effective than any high priest. Jesus seated in majesty next to the Father. Jesus fully God, yet able to understand what it's like to be a human. Fully man. Jesus who speaks on our behalf. Jesus sitting next to the Father, whispering into the Father's ear, making intercession for us. Jesus, whose sacrificial death makes possible forgiveness of sins. Jesus, who brings a new covenant by the shedding of his blood. Nine and a half chapters about just how great Jesus is. Let me tell you. If we're going to sustain a resilient faith in uncertain times, we've got to make sure we've got Jesus in his rightful place. We're the Jesus people, aren't we? Those of us who've been around the Christian faith for a while, do do, do you remember? I, I remember when I first became a follower. I was 17 years of age. And, 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 and let me tell you, when I became a Christian, it wasn't the great worship. Fantastic worship here this morning. I love the worship here. It, it wasn't the great Bible teaching. It wasn't even the great community of faith that I, I joined. I'll tell you what it was. I fell in love with Jesus. We're the Jesus people. We're the Jesus followers. We're obsessed with Jesus. I hope this is a church that is obsessed with Jesus. That we can't get enough of Jesus. The writer is writing to these Christians at times of uncertainty, when they need strengthening, when they need to get back to their foundations, and he wants to keep saying to them, it's about Jesus. So, let's read on. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of who? Jesus. Jesus. By a new and living way open to us through his curtain that is his, Jesus' body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near God with sincere hearts and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more. As, the, as you see the day approaching. <coughs> Do you notice the three letter statements? I want really quickly to look at those three letter statements. Those letter statements are really strong statements. They're not, well, you know, if you kind of feel like it. You know, if, you, if it's okay with you. It's not a spot of advice. No, it's a command. The, the writer is, is commanding his readers. They wanted to, it was wanting to make sure that they realised how important this is. These are 
decisive acts that he's asking. Verse 22, let us draw near to God. You know, the Christian faith, it, it is, if you've been around for a while, it's easy to get complacent. It's easy for our faith to become a bit of a ritual, a bit of a habit. It's one of those things I love about those videos I talked about earlier. When you, you hear some people who've just recently come to faith, the passion, the energy, the excitement, it's contagious. So the writer says to these Christians, let us draw near to God. With sincere hearts, with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. This is not just for new Christians. This is for those that are old in the faith as well. And the writer to the Hebrews has quite a lot to talk about, actually, about the cleansing from sin. Early in this chapter and the end of the chapter talks a bit about maybe a word that we don't use all that much these days in church. We've got other words. And I kind of understand why we use other words, like, like selfishness or missing the mark. But the writer, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews uses that word sin. And, and, and sin is to be taken seriously. Think sin is things that create a barrier between us and God. Sin results in a guilty conscience. You know, we were never designed to live with a guilty conscience. Mm. I, I actually... I'm pretty convinced that, that some illness, some illness, not all illness, but some illness, some, some, some things are, are associated with guilty consciences where we, we were never designed to live with a conscience that was full of guilt. The beauty of the gospel is guilt can be forgiven. Yeah. There's cleansing, there's cleaning. Yeah. There's an old saying, isn't it? God loves us. God accepts us as we are. But he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Stuff needs dealing with. And there's cleansing. There's forgiveness that is available to us. The writer talks about a washing. And of course there's the washing of baptism. If you, if you haven't been baptised, let me encourage you. Baptism is important. It's part of the, the entrance into... The church community into relationship with God. There's a cleansing. And so maybe, maybe, maybe this morning, just as we look at that scripture, maybe for some of us, God would put his, his finger on a conscience that isn't clear and clean this morning. Maybe for some of us, God would want to say, you don't have to walk out of this building this morning with a guilty conscience. It can yeah. be forgiven. Yeah. It can be cleansed. Yeah. We can be free. So the first one, let us. Let us draw close to God. If we're drawing close to God, there's something about taking sin seriously. Second, let us. Verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on. Towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. See, the writer knew that it was vital for them to draw close to God. But the writer also knew it was vital that they draw close to each other. 
God designed us not simply to be in relationship with Him vertically, but also horizontally with each other. He designed us to be part of communities of faith such as this community of faith. Hey, just have a, have a look around this morning. Just have a look. I know it's a bit embarrassing. We Brits don't do this all that well. But just have a look. You see, as we look at each other, you know, we are family. We are family. Yeah, we might see each other as friends. We might even see each other as work colleagues, fellow members of the same church. But you know, God sees us as Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, we're family together. We yeah. share a Father in heaven. Yeah, yeah. And because we share a Father in heaven, we share a brother and sisterhood with each other. We are family. We need each other. God knows we need each other. We can't do this Christian life on our own. And the writer uses really strong language here. Spurring one another on. Not giving up meeting together. Encouraging one another. There's, there's another word which we don't tend to use all that much these, these days. I used to be part of a church and it had the name in the title. And it's the word fellowship. We don't tend to talk about fellowship all that much, do we? But it's a lovely New Testament word. And that word has been translated by one translator as enthusiastic love for each other. We are called as brothers and sisters in Christ, part of one family, to have enthusiastic fellowship, enthusiastic love for each other. Because we need each other. At times of uncertainty, at times of insecurity, we're not designed simply to have relationships with God, we're designed to have close relationships with each other. In, in, that, in that book that I, I waved around earlier, one of the things I, I tackle is there's a view out there you can have churchless Christianity. Mm. <laughs> Let me tell you, to the New Testament Christians, they'd have laughed if you'd said churchless Christianity. But they said there's no such thing as churchless Christianity. You came into the family of God. You came into a relationship with, with, with Jesus. And you came into a church. Yeah. You were part of a church. Because we need each other. So as we draw close to God, we also draw close to each other. Let us, says the writer, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to each other. And maybe, maybe this morning, maybe this morning there's a, there's a little challenge for, for some of us about our relationship one with another. It might be with people in the room here, or maybe people outside the room, but we know that there are some relationships that are out of order. And God might be speaking to us this morning and say, hey, there's some relationships that need to be put in, put in order. Let me make it really practical. I was driving over here this morning, and I, I just felt I need to emphasize this, this point this morning, so let me make it. Maybe for some of us, at the, at the end of the service, and people are hanging around and chatting and you see a particular person and they're in that part of the room and you make sure you go out, out the other way because you want to avoid them. Hey, that's not how it's designed to be. We're family together. And when stuff is out of order, we look to put things back into order. We look to draw close to each other. 
as well as draw close to God. And then finally, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. You see, some of these Hebrew Christians that the writer's writing to, some of them had swerved. They'd swerved from their, from their faith. They'd lost faith. They'd, some of them had gone backwards. Hey, they'd lost hope. Hey, of, of all the people on the face of the earth, we've got to be the hopeful people, aren't we? Is, is this a church that's full of hope? Mm. Hey, we're the hope-filled ones, aren't we? Yeah. There's at least two people <laughs> as if they're hope-filled. We're the hope-filled people. And it's not just any hope. It, it's hope. Well, it's hope based upon nine and a half chapters. It's hope based upon Jesus. Gee, all that Jesus one for us through the cross, through the resurrection, through his life, through his death. Our hope is based on his promises, based on who Jesus is. But you know, it's, it's, it's easy in 21st century UK, it's easy to swerve. It's easy. Let's be honest, we, 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 we live at a time. Where there's a prevailing story, a prevailing narrative that is told. Whether it's through education institutions, whether it's through the media, whether it's through the newspapers that we read. But there's a prevailing story and the story has a presupposition. And the presupposition starts with an assumption. And the assumption is that there is no God. Mm. And that all this is the result of an enormous cosmic accident. Now... This is a church that believes there is a God. This not, not in <laughs> We do, don't we? Yeah. yeah. We, we, that's our starting point. There is a God. Our starting point is this isn't an accident. This is God continuing to outwork his purposes within his creation. God who has not abandoned his creation. But let's be honest. It's very easy in 21st century UK for our hope to be sapped. Because of this narrative that comes at us day in and day out. You know, secularism, that assumption that there is no God, that all this is an accident, secularism seeps into our souls. It erodes our hope. It begins to create doubts and unbelief. It's damaging to faith. And so it's vitally important that we feed our hope. And I, I, I challenge myself, I'm challenging myself as I, as I share this with you. How do you feed your hope? If the writer says to us, hold unswervingly to our hope, how do we feed our hope? What's our weekly diet? What's our diet of, of reading? Of music? Of drawing close to God? Whether it's in prayer, whether it's in worship. 
What's our diet of, of fellowship that we're together with other believers? Are we spurring one another on to hope and good works? Or are we allowing our soul to be undermined for secularism to seep into our soul? Mm. See, as we navigate faith in these uncertain times, it's vital that we hold on to the, our hope. That we remind ourselves of the nine and a half chapters of just how amazing Jesus is. So we draw close to God. We draw close to each other. And we feed our hope. We hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. So we're gonna we're gonna pray, and then I'm gonna ask the kind of worship band to, to come back up, and then Stephen Viv might well take us on uh, to where we we should go by way of any kind of response. But let me just conclude by, by saying this before before I pray. You know, I think we're we're living at amazing times. Mm. I think we're living at times where there is opposition for us as a Christian community, but I believe it's also an amazing time of opportunity. Week after week, I I hear of people in all kinds of different settings who are coming to Christ, coming to a relationship with Him. The church, both across the UK and internationally, is growing, is being strengthened in the faith. This is not a time for us to be fearful. But it's a time for us to be wise. Mm. It's a time for us to to take seriously the challenges that we face, but also the opportunities that God is giving us. You know, we've we've read the end of the story, haven't we? We know that God wins. In fact, He already won at the cross, but the outworking of the cross, the day will come when, when He will come again. And we're to get a new heaven and a new earth. We're on the winning side. This is not a time for us to be fearful. But it's a time for us to allow God to strengthen us in the faith. To develop resilience in times of uncertainty. So would you bow your heads with me? Maybe the, the worship band could come up. And let's just take a few moments just to reflect on this passage of scripture. And maybe for some of us, what we have heard by way of challenge to us. Where is challenge in relation to some of the stuff of life that God wants to give us some release in, some, some release from guilty conscience. For us to walk out knowing that we're forgiven. Maybe for some of us, He wants to challenge us, speak to us around our relationships, one with another. Maybe for one or two, some specific relationships that are out of order. But God wants to put in order. Perhaps for some of us, the challenge of of our diet, of our spiritual diet, what we feed ourselves. So let's just take, take a moment just to reflect on what we've heard. Let's make our own response to God. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.